Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. This is, I think this is the first time we've recorded whilst there is a game in progress, which is very exciting. So we're currently beating Wimbledon 2-0. It's half-time. Sam Winnell's got both goals. And uh, Jack, how are you doing? Does that excite you? Yeah, it does, because it's always good for a striker to score goals. And I think um, Dave Pritchard from the Oxford Mails just tweeted that that was Winnell's first goal for 375 days. So uh, much needed and... <laughs> Considering the signings yesterday, which obviously we'll talk about, it's good to see another striker starting to score goals. Yeah. John, do you reckon that pressure is, you know, all these new recruits coming in? Sam Winnell, Connor, do you reckon he listened to the, the last pod where Connor just destroyed him? And uh, which which one do you reckon had the bigger effect? He probably did listen to the pod and then go, KR, you don't need to do the whole Will Grigg dance. I'm, I'm fired up now. <laughs> but I'm, I've got the... Uh, the lighter under me uh, pants, so to speak. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think it shows how excited we are for the game that we're currently all sat here, as good as it is for Sam Winnell, <laughs> scoring some goals. Whilst whilst we're on it, Jack, who who's actually started and who's been who's been left out? Did Sykes make the team? Yeah, so we've got about a million midfielders playing. Um, so Gorin, Hall, Sykes, Ford, Hanson, Kelly, Shadipo were all playing. Um, so I've no idea what formation. It is. I think Ford's at right back, judging by Twitter, etc. Um, so quite a few changes. And the, the thing that stuck out to me um, was that Dan Adji didn't make the 11, but is on the bench. That feels like a bit of a continued fallout from the weekend. Hmm. Yeah, we'll probably... Hanson's at centre-back, which is that sort of first time we've seen that kind of um, oh, really? experiment mentioned. But did you see that, that KR was doing his classic Sykes thing where he bigged him up so much? He was like, he's been training brilliantly. I cannot wait to see his performance on Tuesday night. And if you're Mark Sykes, you're like, bloody hell, mate, you set the bar a little high. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Okay. It's just us three today. Connor's actually watching the game with his dad, which is fair enough. Um, transfers and stuff. So first things first. Jordan, I need to say, I nearly say Jonathan every time. Jack <laughs> noticed in the notes when I accidentally wrote Jonathan Abita and get my Abika and my Abitas mixed up. The ultimate um, hybrid. The ultimate <laughs> hybrid. Do you know St. Mirren are doing quite well? They beat, didn't they beat Celtic the other day? Am I dreaming? Everyone's you know beating you know Celtic why this year. You know, you know why they're doing well, of course. So, yeah. Big, big, big John. Um, <laughs> Jack. When Abita left, I think all of us, there was kind of on every kind of WhatsApp group that I've got around Oxford United, there was meltdown in different forms or another with people just so confused as to what was going on. He was our cover across the left side of the pitch, that competition for Ruffles, but also for Shadipo. And it was more a rotation thing, right, than him not being a, a sure starter. Yeah, I think... He was the more experienced head in terms of age, not games played, but age. Um, and yeah, he, he was that cheap or cheapish option that we brought in to be cover and to allow Ruffles to have a break if necessary. Actually, it turned out that Ruffles is being even more of a machine than usual and it was actually to allow Shodders and Abita to swap um, kind of Tuesday, Saturday. Yeah, and I think in hindsight... Now you look at it on the back of the signings, John, it all still feels, it feels fine. And actually it felt fine when I was kind of listening to people talk. I think it was Nathan Cooper who was just kind of saying, it makes sense for all parties. It sounds like we saw in some forum that maybe it was a three-figure sum that we got. But what are, what are your thoughts make, make sense all round? Yeah, ultimately, I still can't see this three triple-figure um, transfer fee. Like Wickham have just barely spent a penny and they've, they've gone, hang on a minute, we'll spend money on a player that's only just come back to to fitness. Um, but we've obviously got a fee that made it a no-brainer because by all accounts, it was kind of done and dusted in 12 hours and came out came out left field. Um, I think he was one of those, though, that was brought in to kind of be that stronger personality or more composure in the dressing room, which KR talked about the squad lacking in the past. So that could be a deficit we don't really see. But in terms of Wickham offering in two 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 and a half years in this yeah. climate, you you know, and if we got a fee for him, 
you'd drive him there, wouldn't you? Ultimately, and as we got yeah. as we got the replacement in, it's it's happy days. But at the time, it wasn't because it was dependent on the cover that came in. So yeah, we're we're okay. I think. Let's hope we can high five him as they as they come down and we go up next year on the way past. That'd be nice. Um, right on to signings then, Luke McNally. So another one. Um, from across the Irish Sea. Uh, not too much detail, I, I guess, on him, but another one that seems to be really promising. I think the main thing that I took from this was that KR made sure to reference there were three SPL clubs interested in him and two clubs in League One above us. I think, Jack, you were saying, was it Lincoln and Ipswich? Yeah, and I think Ipswich have been interested since the summer, so we've uh, nipped in ahead of them. You also said, Jack, KR's gone a bit Steve Evans. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> true to form, Steve Evans outdid himself yesterday during the transfer window um, because obviously anyone Steve Evans wants, Steve Evans gets because he's able to beat off every manner of opposition. Do you do you think that, I mean, I think it we must have the sell to these players pretty much nailed because I imagine KL just goes into a room with about five pieces of paper, turns them over. One's got Gavin White, one's Rob Dickey, one's Liam Cooper, one's Rob Atkinson, the other one's Mark Sykes. And he just goes, need I say more? And we kind of get the deals done. It's, you know, we've, we've set ourselves up so well for the for the future of these production line type players. Yeah. I wonder if like KR tried to keep him away from Sykes for a bit, just <laughs> until he signed the contract. But, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's why he's back in, back in contention tonight. Um, so that that looks good. I think again, it, it looked like he's he, he's lacking match fitness. I think their season was canned. Um, although he did get twenty or so games starting, and then it's it's got to a point where he he needs match fitness, needs to do a kind of preseason. And Jack, I think it was you that was saying he might get like a month or so before the end of the year. Yeah, uh, the end of the season. Um, sorry, Kr. Yeah, hinted that there'll be a whole kind of get him in the gym to bulk up a bit try and get him out on loan to the conference. If the conference keeps going, I think that should be known next week. And then um, look for the final few games to get him involved, depending where everyone's at. Cool. Okay. Uh, Next, Joe Grayson. So this is Simon Grayson's um, son. And hot off the press, I've just seen in the notes, he's just come on he's just come on the pitch. I didn't notice that any of the players were on the on the bench that we've just signed. Yeah, he's just come on for Gorin at half time. So he's gonna play the holding role, one assumes. Oh, or maybe okay. he's maybe he goes centre back and Hansen gets pushed forward. I don't know. It's all happening. So he was um I, I was a bit confused with this one because and it looked like he was pure cover for Ruffles, but KR said in his interview he's also going to provide competition for Rob Atkinson um he's played as a centre-back he's left-footed um as you just said he can play in that kind of holding role and when he was at Grims was it Grimsby yeah it was wasn't it his last loan which was at the beginning of kind of 2019 that's where they kind of saw him playing he notched a couple of goals in eight games there as well and my only thought was why hasn't he had another loan since 2019 um, but I think, Jack, again, you were saying he's been captaining the under-23s and they wanted to hold on to him. Yeah, I think the double whammy of obviously the season being stop-start last year probably stopped any late loan move. It's, that's really interesting about the fact he's seen as a left-sided centre-back, potentially, because, I mean, I think we're all pleased with his transfer window. And we'll touch on sort of summary of that later on. But the slight devil's advocate is we haven't really got any centre-back cover because McNally's not deemed fit and able to play. So if Sam, if one of our centre-backs gets injured, Sam Long must be the cover for that position. Therefore, four goes in at right-back. But maybe that's being covered off by Grayson now if he can play at a competent level, which is really quite interesting. And I I kind of equated him to um, like Jordan Evans as an an example from kind of 15, 16 and a bit of a probably fresh in the mind because he's been on the uh, the Oxfiles pod recently but I kind of think that he's he seems to fit all the all the all the marks and he's had a loan spell as well which I think is always a sign to look at um, but it's good we've got some more options at centre half because I still think if Atkinson or Moore gets injured the dynamic of the defence changes 
quite spe- could quite quite spectacularly. So yeah, that is Sam Long cool. did a, did an all right job, didn't he? But it's the balance of the the centre backs as well um, that you've got to think about. So yeah, it's in, it's interesting. Um, quick update: uh, Grayson has just pinged a lovely diagonal out to Rob Hall. So there you go. Three nil. Three nil. Three nil. Come on, say Grayson. That would be such a timely thing. Uh, Grayson with the left-footed drive from the edge. Of, this is cutting edge. For someone who's listening, listening to this in a, week, in a week's time, it's really going to work. <laughs> shodders. True. Shodders. Okay. Well done, Shodders. Apologise to... Who was it that got a bit upset with our use of Shodders? Uh, George Dugdale George, was, did not yeah. appreciate Shodders. Well, George, we can only apologise but it's, it's going to continue. It's not as bad as El Kel, which is what I was saying for Liam Kelly the other day, but I'm not going to continue that. That's just going to depress everyone. Right, next, Elliot Lee, John. Elliot Lee, Rob Lee's son. I didn't realise and I didn't understand why Alan Shearer was commenting <laughs> on his him signing for us. And I was like, God, Shearer seems to be interested in us. And I was like, ha ha, it all makes sense now. Shearer just spends his night on Twitter, like encouraging people on to go out and loan and do <laughs> yeah. well across the um, across the UK. Um, yeah, I'm. He's the one I'm actually most excited about. I think from the signings, um, I really liked. I didn't get the whole Grig thing whatsoever. And Elliot no. Lee seems he's not a sort of straight number number nine. He's a kind of a, a ten. Possibly plays out wide a bit. And I liked um, KR's description of him of a sort of as a clever player, one that can drop off, arrive late. And I think that bit of nous around the sort of twenty yards out from an attacking player is what we need. So I'm really, I think he, he's the one for me that I think will, could make a real impact. Don't quite know how he gets in the team yet in terms of the formation, but very excited about him. Yeah. Jack, what do you, where do you reckon he does get in and who is he competing with? Like he was described as a 10, I think at one point as well. I I think KR alluded to that. It gives us the option to play the f- uh, four, two, th- three, one. Yeah. A bit, yep. a bit more. Um, we often see James Henry kind of shoehorned into a more central position, which he often does quite well from. But it probably gives another option. I mean, we talk about number ten role, but he scored twelve goals when Luton got promoted from League One. What two seasons ago? Three seasons ago? Um, I, I think John mentioned that he liked the quote in the Oxford Mail from KR about um, Lee masters the art of arriving late into the penalty box. Um, so, yeah, I was really impressed with that signing because it seemed to come out of nowhere after all the Grig talk. Yeah, he had d- double figures, as one of you's kind of put in the notes, in going from League 2 to League 1 and then 12 goals in their promotion season back up to the championship. So he knows where the goal is and he's if he plays in a more reserved role, then that is a dynamic that we haven't had. And it's one that we've kind of always described, you know, James, maybe James Henry, you'd expect to at some point kind of maybe sit into that position um due to that relationship with taylor and that type of thing but that's never really panned out has it so be interesting to see if that's something that elliot lee can more flexibility play the four two three one which we can do now already with the players we've got but playing that a bit more regularly and i think will be a definite boost yeah i thought he interviewed really well as well which is another thing you look for isn't it like just seemed to be level-headed very sensible bloke um, seemed really excited to be here. I guess they're always going to say that, though, aren't they? They're not going to be like, well, you know. Uh, um, right, Brandon Barker, This was this. he looks like the spicy one. I noticed that there was an interview with him on iFollow last night where Chris Williams had, had called him and he was on Zoom or something and he was in his car. It reminded me of one of those Nico Jones seatbelt <laughs> videos. Um, but yeah, he was just... <laughs> Chatting away, uh, he was the guy was driving down back down from Glasgow to Manchester, where where he's from. I think he was in the city youth setup. I think um, Brandon Barker, um, really highly thought of there, and he went on loan, didn't he, at one point to Preston? I think it was. I was watching some highlights of his last night. Looked to have really strange, like he's really really quick, but he runs in a really strange way. Is what I took he, from watching. He looks the, like he can. Clips. He looks like he can score a, a Gavin White away at Shrewsbury type, yeah. type of goal, in that sort of sheer pace. In that 
I am just going to run round you <laughs> and I'll still get further ahead of you than than that, um, which is no bad thing to, to have on board. People should watch the goal specifically. Which I think it's the one you're referencing where Preston played Leeds in the EFL. Yeah, it's that Cup. one. Yeah, that's one of them. And yeah, yeah he, that's literally what he does. He just punts it in different directions and chases it like a like a puppy and then he kick <laughs> unbelievable finish at the end though um but yeah it's got it's got to be i was listening to the build-up for tonight's game and i think um nick harris or jerome made a really good point saying that he's come from a place that is a really high pressure environment as well and so maybe that's going to work in our favor where he's coming to you know somewhere where he hasn't got all of that pressure and focus and maybe he'll have a bit more kind of creative license to to get in the side and do well um the reaction from and it's only on social media from some of the rangers fans was utterly vicious they were like just effectively get rid of him he's he's rubbish and that's got to be contextualized because we're in league one they're in the premier league in scotland admittedly but the more sort of sane people were saying he's just not quite our level but i'd fully expect him to rip it up at, at your level which is, I think which is fine. The, that reaction, though, I did, I was looking at that as well, but I thought it was more Rangers fans just being pissed off that they had kind of been told to stay up and then made no sense. Oh yeah, themselves. I think there was I think there was a little bit yeah. of that as well, which is um funny when it's not you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jack, are you excited about this one? Yeah, um, I think anyone who's come through the Man City setup in the last few years will have something about them. But I, 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 yeah, I, I was I was about to go there. <laughs> Um, and I, I'll, I'll, you know, trade that with he's had positive loan spells as well. Whereas Buckley Ricketts and Smith Brown came to us first loan, and yeah. uh, Buckley Ricketts is now playing for a Sunday League side uh, in Manchester, which says it all. Um, but yeah, no Barker. I think the fact he's played games this season for Rangers shows that he was clearly in Gerard's plans at least at the start of the season. Um, he scored a couple of goals already this season so he's coming to us fit he's played games he's scored goals so he's not gonna kind of have to take a little while to get going so yeah I'm looking forward to seeing him play is he it sounded like he was versatile as well like can play on both both sides is he left-footed yeah I think he is I think this is sort of heading towards kind of an option to have Shadipo on either side type of conversations as well which is you know, we, given that we we get fixated on the optimum first eleven, but we've got to remember it's kind of Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday till the end of the, the end of the season, isn't it? So yeah. Um, other news. So Will Grigg, I think John, you referenced it earlier. There's probably not that much more to say. It's just it seems like every window now we need to announce that we're interested in Will Grigg to maybe allow us to focus on other things whilst the media gets excited about about that. You, you just it just feels more and more like it was a bit of a smokescreen because you couldn't make any logical case for it unless there's something sinister about Winnell that we didn't know and he's obviously on the pitch and scored two tonight so that that doesn't make sense um so maybe it's just a bit of media games and because KR knows Will Griggs he was able to say I'm just going to say your name out there and just ignore it because <laughs> yeah Griggs has gone back to MK Dons and Probably That's all. it. He's gone. He's gone back, hasn't he? That's interesting. Was there anything else? The, the only other one that stood out for me, like outside of us, was obviously the the chap joining Charlton from <laughs> Swindon, which looked hilarious. I was looking at the meltdown. There was lots of hashtag liquidate comments from Swindon fans on their own thread. I noticed um, liquidators. Yeah, it's quite extreme. They they've been very entertaining in the last twenty four hours. Um, more so because sorry, the court case. Uh, between their current owner and former Oxford player Michael Standings going on. And it got suspended today because someone hacked into the video stream and started showing some pornography. Um, ah, so yes. Swindon fans are enough to melt down and everything seems to be just entertaining for everyone outside of Swindon at the minute. <laughs> um, the other one that stood out to me was Marcus Madison going to Bolton. And he so he'd only joined Charlton in the summer. We were rumoured to be interested in him. Um, I didn't see that happening, but I have no idea how he was getting on at Charlton or whether he was playing or anything. He's been a bit of a troublemaker in the past, though, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he's got a uh, questionable attitude. Um, 
which is why Peterborough weren't bothered about letting him go in the end. And, you know, they've been proved right by the fact that he's ended up in League Two. That's it. Um, other things then, we've had... I feel like this is the Sky Sports news desk. Yeah. We've got um, Derek. I'm, I'm delighted for Derek. He's got a loan. He's gone to Warsaw. I never saw that happening, to be honest. I thought he would just... He would never find that move, given it was such a struggle um, to get him out in the summer. But... John, I think that's good for him, isn't it? I guess we'll find out if he's got anything about him. Um, be interesting to see if he's going to be a starter or just kind of a squad player for them. Yeah, I don't know what their situation was in terms of desperation to get players in, but I no, I'm, I'm really pleased for him as well because he wanted him to get a move in in the league. He's kind of shown he can do it almost at our level at times. So, and then yeah, they must have thought it was a good goal against them and thought we'll give him a punt. Oh yeah, good point. It's um. It's win-win for us, really, as long as he gets a few games. I, I hope he hasn't read their fans' reaction because yeah, they were already annoyed because they just sold their top scorer to Luton and then they announced him at 20 past 11 on loan um, and they all had a kind of similar reaction to when we signed him in the summer, kind of saying who, what, why, when, why, you know, why have we signed this seemingly random French bloke who's not played in England very much? Um, so I think he will play, um, and yes, yeah, got to see how he does. <laughs> um, Nicky, one of you boys said Cadden in our WhatsApp group, and I was like, oh my god, what's happened? U turn? Hibs have just decided they don't want him, and then yeah, realised it was his brother. Jack, was that something you were keeping tabs on? Nicky Cadden, he was at yeah, where, Forest it, Green. It seemed to be a name that. I think it first came from one of the journalists who writes for the Mirror. I think it was who suggested we were interested, but um, nothing obviously happened yesterday. I think he is out of contract in the summer, so if it was true, we might revisit it. Um, but was there was there anything about Hall going the other way? Because sort of jumped to other things like Hall's kind of still here, and that was very quiet about him. Yeah, I th- I think. The suggestion was there may have been some hope of a swap. Um, I don't think it would have been Rob Hall, though. I think he's got uh, circumstances. I think he's expecting his first child soon. I don't think he's got any intention of moving uh, from Oxford in this window, and obviously he hasn't done. Um, but no, yeah, that, that Cadden could be one we revisit in the summer, or we may have been promoted and want a higher level. He's a winger, isn't he? He's yeah. not. A, I just assumed he was a right-back. <laughs> it's just it like doesn't, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> um, other things about people leaving then. Um, Kr said a bid, a sizable bid came in for Sykes, and Kr said, "I said no because I believe in him, but he's got to perform consistently." Jack, what do you reckon around that? Are you surprised? Um, how much he's still got? We've got an option on his contract, haven't we? Or at least maybe another year and a half left. It, yeah, this is one that is a little bit unknown because various our website suggests he's out of contract in the summer. Um, other websites, when we signed him, suggest it's a longer term deal. Um, Kr did mention that we've got some surprise options on people that we might not expect. So. I would imagine we have got an option on him based on the fact he's one of these young players that we normally put an option on. Um, we, we must do, or else we're playing a really bit of a gamble that in the yeah. summer he sits down and goes, Oxford's where I want to be, when somebody's put in, put in a bid believed to be pretty substantial. So we must do, but it's it's strange that sort of under wraps really. But I am pleased he's going to still be in, in the mix. Um I mean, I think he'll still struggle to get in the team because we kind of are blessed at the moment. But definitely, one you want to you want him to come good, though, don't you? And he is good, yeah. but fully come good. I still think there was there was a, a point last year where he was probably one of the first names on the team sheet. So we know he's got that in him. Just be interesting as to whether he can work his way back in. I think it's going to be injuries though that are going to have to be the reason. Um, Brannigan was the other one that we apparently had a bid um a bid for, like north of half a mil. Um John, what do you reckon on, on that? Apparently it was from Millwall. Um I don't know. I, just, I I was it's got to be a load more than that, right? Yeah, there was in, 
there was an interesting one that somebody pointed out that Jason Burt had said um, it needs Jason Burt at the Telegraph had said it should be at least four times that. Um, so it, it seems to be sort of have some credence to it, but it's far too low. And I think Mill will have just chanced their arm arm there to sort of before he before he builds up form and gets back to where he was to think actually can we nick him for 500 grand um but it sounded like Brannigan was just like no I'm just not interested unless it's unless you need to accept it the club I'm happy to stay and why wouldn't he be really that's what you want Jack you put some note around a clause as well like how did that become common knowledge uh, KR said it in his I follow interview yesterday in relation to progress during the day. Um, so the new deal that Brannigan signed in the summer um, has a buyout clause, um, which then becomes live this summer because he'll have one year left on his deal. I think that's the right maths. Um, and KR made a note of saying, look, the offer we had from an unnamed club was nowhere near the value we've put on that clause. So why would we even entertain it? Um, so yeah. that suggests it's upwards of a million, probably closer to two. Um, and yeah, well, you know, if we had no need to sell, which we didn't, um, I don't think Brannigan would have wanted to go there anyway. So, you know, worked yeah. well. Bang on. Um, and then the only other things I think we're all happy with is that there were mutterings apparently around Atkinson and Moore, but obviously nothing came to fruition there. Which we're all delighted about. That'd have been a, a massive own goal. I was devastated seeing George Ellick on um, some of the Sky Sports coverage with a, spe- a specific part, like a little bit on both of those guys as centre backs, um, broadening the scope of people that know about them. Um, so, <laughs> got to be cautious, haven't you? You never know who's watching, but we don't want to be shouting too much about them at this stage. Um, John, what do you reckon? Good window? Happy with everything? I think most people seem to be overwhelmingly delighted with how it went. Yeah, I think we've got to be spot on for KR, spot on for the board. Um, Clearly showed there was kind of space and a a plan to this. Maybe Elliot Lee was a lucky one that we got that we weren't expecting, but let's not complain about that. Um, You know, if we're being sort of sort of, uh, can we have a little bit more? I'd love to sort of journeyman experience centre back in for a couple of months but would they have been fit and all those sorts of issues so I think we are we are with the defence and we've got to keep our fingers crossed that no one gets a serious one up until the end of the season so yeah I think we've got to be pretty happy um, salary cap and so on loan numbers of squads seem to have been handled pretty well so, so yeah, I'm yeah pleased Nice anything to add to that Jack? Um, no I think the club have played a bit of a blinder really I think Whilst we had KR doing his usual start of window, we're going to sign 400 players type noise. He kind of <laughs> dampened that down during the window, but then we've still gone and signed you know, three on deadline day and one on Friday. I think the club's plan has paid off and they've brought in some proven quality, actually, for League One in Lee. Someone who's well thought of in Barker. And then Grayson and McNally seem to be young hopefuls, so we kind of ticked all boxes. Yeah. Absolutely. The the only other thing that's interesting is we've now got six loanees at the club and obviously you can only have five in a match day squad. And there's already a bit of a thing about who's not even going to make the bench um, week on week. So I guess that, that problem is going to extend, isn't it? Um, with not many people obviously departing. So it's going to be an interesting one. Um, I imagine you'll have a few, I don't know, squad harmonies that uh, Obviously a difficult thing to manage, but it might get a little bit harder for KR, especially if most people are fit. Um, right, so that's transfers and everything done. We'll talk about some football halfway halfway through the pod if we're targeting an hour. Um, Rochdale then. So this was a week ago, wasn't it? And we posted a beautiful video um, in the climb <laughs> of the climax. We're all watching. I think that was that was brilliant. It was, it was lucky we had the. Your your PJ bottoms are now famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm now immortalised on Twitter with my ridiculous pajamas. Um, but yeah, what what a game! What a game it was! It was absolutely mental. And what was really funny, we we kind of put the preview, or we put like a snippet from 
your preview, John, on Twitter, didn't we, where you were kind of reeling off their recent results, be it being kind of 3-3, 4 4 just loads of games with loads and loads of goals. And then that's what happened, wasn't it? It was just, you know, by what was the score at half time? Was it two one to still two one to them, wasn't it? Yeah, um, something like that. If you think about it, like we sort of met the benchmark when it comes to um playing Rochdale. Like Crew and Charlton were probably the near, sort of the nearest teams to us at the moment in quality, parking recent activity, I suppose, in the transfer window. Yeah. And they had the same issue. They got four all and three all. Only Peterborough have played them and just gone yeah stop playing your kind of schoolyard football of, of attacking of attacking relentlessly we're just going to batter you so it, it in all in all we'll talk about it in more detail but it wasn't you know obviously we won but it was kind of to be kind of to be expected really yeah and so we we took Aji you like went through really early on kind of did did the hard work to cut inside but it was on his right foot and then it was an you know it was straight at the keeper type thing should have scored but then a few minutes later technically we scored from a corner even though it was kind of in the aftermath but a really good finish from him um they then roll up the pitch we're exposed on our kind of right hand side Sam Long's kind of caught out of position they make it one all then they make it two one from a corner where he did some weird like backwards I don't know. I remember Ryan Taylor scoring a goal similar, or was it Dave Kitson? I get the two muddled up every now and then. But like, you know, kind of where you're kind of facing away from goal and you kind of just kick it behind you type thing. So they went 2-1 up. And at that at half time, we're kind of thinking, God, what's going on here? But Jack, I was really kind of ignoring their defensive side. I thought they looked like a really, really good good side. And it was I was actually terrified for most of the the game just every time they got the ball um and we were kind of sitting off yeah they they play this weird system and i think josh ruffles referred to it in his post match where their left winger tucks inside and they let their left back become like super winger um yeah always this strange kind of overlap um false overlap in a way where it looks like he's overlapping but he's actually just playing normally um i think he scored their first goal but yeah, they. it does just feel like they play as if next goal wins all the time. They've got to score. It doesn't matter what the situation in the game is. They, they, yeah. They're they going to try and score. They're going to attack. Um, so yeah, very interesting team to play against. And it'll be interesting to see how they do the rest of the season, whether they can maintain that kind of chaos feature that they have in their attacking. Yeah. I think we got the equaliser to make it two all at a a really important time as well. So like just after half time, James Henry. Um did Henry start this game or did he come on? No, he came on, didn't he? Came on for um, Hansen. But he swung in that uh cross, didn't he? And then Elliot Moore, really, really good header from probably even further out than the penalty spot, but found the bottom corner. Um so that obviously made it two all. He- James Henry's goal to make it three two was one of my favorite like it's an absolute like thunderbolt, wasn't it? It just Jack. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm just darting in yeah, just because I'm so. Go on, you can draw. You go for so the draw. So the connection and the way he hit it was an absolute bullet. Like, I mean, that's what that's what kind of James Henry is in the team to be able to do those last two things you described. It's pinpoint cross, one goal from Elliot Moore, and then doing something like that. I know he's been in, inconsistent um, for a lot of the season, but just to be able to do something like that when he didn't. He didn't have loads of space around him. He's had far better positions earlier in the season and he's not done as well. But he can do something like that. That's what he's in the team for. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jack, I don't know if you saw the goal cam for that one, but it was bang centre as well. Like the keeper was stood like right next to where the ball went and he had no, like, no, he couldn't even move by the yeah, time it was Yeah, it's him. one of them where, yeah, it's passed him before he's even realised it's been hit. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because we've talked a lot about Henry shooting this season and how he just seems to have forgotten how to put his foot through the ball and it's as if he just remembered suddenly um, in that match at Rochdale and like you say we've seen a lot of goals from him from that kind of position outside the box but none as ferocious as that yeah it was absolutely class but then so we're we're kind of at that point like delighted we're thinking right three two finally we've we've kind of got a bit of a grasp on this game no problem and then literally less than two minutes later 
they're swinging in across and just uh, Lund is getting on the end of it three all. And then I think from there on in, the game became scrappy and a bit messy. And we, I don't know, I I was kind of at that point just happy with the draw because they were still absolutely going for it. Um, and it kind of, right at the end of the game, obviously there was the shot from well inside their own half. <laughs> like the, at one point you're kind of looking at that thinking, oh my God, is that where Steven stood as the camera kind of pans across to the right hand side? Luckily he's under it. And then 30 seconds later, what, 92nd minute. I don't think uh, we've had a moment like that. It, it does, we'd probably be there, wouldn't we, if it was, a, you know, if this game was, you know, COVID wasn't a thing. And it was even incredible just being at home, being able to celebrate that. I can't imagine what it had been like to, to be there for a moment like that. But what a great composure. Sorry, John. The way he, the way he chipped that was so composed as well, because... I think most other people would have sort of sung, swung straight away, but he sort of like, he sort of almost dinked it kind of rather than sort of a kind of clip. And it just sort of went in and it was kind of in the perfect place. And he just sort of seemed, he seemed so remarkably calm about it. It was like, yeah, well, obviously that was what I was going to do. Like, I think it was the, it was the first touch for me. Like he kind of touches it, moves it to his right to open up the space to kind of give it so we can look up and see what he's doing. And then he really obviously I, it couldn't have been any more perfect, really, could it, Jack? Where where he ended up putting it, but he punished us for at least like three point two seconds, I'd say, whilst we're all kind of stood there going, "Is that going? What is that going? Where's that going?" And it, then, it couldn't have been any better place because I think if he'd have if it had dropped any earlier, the Rochdale defender would have probably got something on it. If it had dropped any later, it would probably be too late. Um, but it just took an absolute age to go in. And I think on that video that we shared on Twitter, we're all just kind of like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, waiting. Um, and yeah, I, I I put something on Twitter saying, despite the fact we can't go to games at the minute, football still has this brilliant capability of just making you lose your mind at times. And yeah. that, that would, that you know, we'll remember that for a long time. Oh, it's just so good as well to keep that winning run going with a moment like that um i have to say i did feel sorry for rochdale i I, i'm really it's refreshing seeing that type of football um being played um they didn't you know they deserve something out of the game but i I mean what a shame i think it wanted us to i'm really glad we won it though for that sounds really obvious thing to say but that sort of team like yes it's hard to play a strong tactical system against them because they are just sort of a complete chaos as, as jack called it and we were frustrating and complaints, sort of sloppy and scrappy what we were doing. But you'd want us to sort of ultimately our football to shine through and win those sorts of games and not get sucked into what they're doing and then come out with a draw. We should be able to do what, yeah. what Portsmouth did to them, which was just go, okay, fine, right, we'll see what you're doing, have your fun. Now we're gonna now <laughs> we're gonna it might have been Peterborough, but it was one of the one of the two of them. Um but I thought KR made some really interesting comments after the game about how our defence was sort of all over the shop in that when we took a goal kick, our defence was um, really was too low, effectively. So they were just coming straight back onto us. And the reverse for when we kicked it out, our defence was too high up the pitch and it was kind of creating giant pockets of space. And a team yeah. and a team that's got five different players overlapping in the midfield is just going to have fun with that. So it's sort of it shows that we sort of didn't quite, we were sort of rattled by what they did and, and didn't sort of adapt to it. And that's part of the team development. Yeah, for sure. So we go, we go into the Fleetwood game, Jack, I think you, you previewed this last week, didn't you? But their form just as a reminder was terrifying in that obviously this is a team we've never beaten. It was much publicized that only Tottenham and Liverpool are the other clubs that we haven't beaten in our kind of league history as a club um but they had a what they'd they'd won once against swindon in how many games like 10 or 12 or something that was their only win a lot of draws in there but that form's scary isn't it when you you think about it like going into the game it's got to turn at some point and you know stand i think most people had already written us off before the game kicked off yeah it was the double whammy wasn't it of oh we never beat fleetwood they're rubbish at the minute you know lump on a fleetwood win um 
but this season's very peculiar and uh, having beaten Bristol Rovers at home, we then went and kind of undid another hoodoo. How did you generally feel we did? It was a very different type of game to Rochdale and obviously Mulgrew, who's one of their big players, was sent off after five, six minutes, like definite red card. I don't think anyone was really complaining. Um, But how did you, I, I guess, first half, how did you think it kind of panned out? It was, I mean, I think they would have come and been quite negative anyway, but going down to 10 that early just meant they were on damage limitation. Um, You know, get through an hour probably. We scored at a good time um, because the longer it had gone on, the more frustrated we'd have got. Another corner as well? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, another corner. Atkinson winning a header again. And I think there was Ruffles and Taylor lurking to kind of prod home. Uh, not too dissimilar to the first goal against Bristol Rovers that Taylor scored kind of a second ball um, edge of the six-yard box. I think we'd hit the bar from Henry as well. So we, we were making yeah. chances without particularly being overly threatening in a weird way of describing it. Um, and Fleetwood were quite happy to just sit in, really. Yeah, and then... John, the second half starts. Uh, I think we we seem to be on the front foot for the first 10, 15 minutes. I think Brannigan, um, obviously getting another start, was having a good game. Seemed to be a lot leaner as well um, and getting across the pitch. He had a good a good effort hit the top of the bar. But then it started to um, get a little bit nervy. And obviously as time goes on and there was the... Actually, we'll get onto the Aji stuff in a second, but it, it felt like Fleetwood had had a game plan once they went down to 10 men and they executed it pretty well to wait until the last 15 minutes and then start to go for us. And it, it nearly paid off for him, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think we were always generally sort of in control, but they were kind of inching slowly back into some sort of structure. And some of our play just wasn't quite working like Shodders was kind of, in that same form where he wasn't, he would do something good yeah. and then it was kind of erratic again. Long was sort of, second half was crossing a lot better and he did hit a really good one into Taylor that Taylor nearly scored off. But then in the first half, Long's crossing was pretty poor because he was, and he was having a lot of space to do it. Um, but it felt like we were kind of, it was a sort of at a crunch point. I don't think I was ever worried, but Fleetwood didn't look like a kind of beaten team who were just sort of desperate to get off the uh, pitch. And yeah, so Dan Aji comes on. How how long was left when he came on the pitch? It took a bit of time to get him on the pitch, which was a topic in itself, wasn't it? Because KR was absolutely raging afterwards um, in saying that he wasn't ready to come on and there's other players in lower down the pecking order that would have been kind of gagging to get on in his place type thing. So he called him out for that. And then Aji, Jack, that... Uh, <laughs> Winnell, Winnell, who's also come on, has a shot. He kind of shins it, hits the post, falls at Aji's feet. And I mean, it does kind of come to him quite quickly. But at the same time, like, he's just got to kick it in the goal, hasn't he? It, it's one of them, isn't it, that I'd rather he'd have taken it first time and screwed it up and it ends up yeah. on, you know, one of those DVDs because that kind of thing happens. But the way he missed it summed it up, I think, to think, oh, I'll take a touch, I'll get it on my wrong foot, I'll sit the keeper down, then not shoot, then sit the defender down, then not shoot, and then get the shot blocked. It reminded me a little bit of um, Rob Duffy in the playoff semi against Exeter when he went through on goal, sat the keeper down, and then proceeded to roll it straight at the keeper. Um, yeah, it it was an unbelievable miss. I think it was the most screenshotted clip you know when people screenshot something and say why the last one was obviously Henry um in the playoff final where he chose to chose to pass the thing is and- that there wasn't anything like the frame after or the frame before that made that better that was, that was, the, <laughs> that was the problem with that like some of those clip things that they go well yeah you're just showing a certain certain part of it um it's just a side foot ultimately and you can tell it just shot his confidence to pieces you could almost tell he was going I'm going to get absolutely destroyed by KR in some form later on and this is everything that he says about me that I've just gone and done but if the guy did forget his his shin pads then that's you know 
twelve year old type stuff and is really well, quite concerning. If that happened, correct me if I'm I'm wrong. It was something to do with just either he forgot him or he just wasn't prepped, didn't have like yeah. his tape on, all that stuff. And then so KR must have been digging him at that point or giving him a bit of a hard time to get sorted. He's then on the pitch, and I think in the post-match reaction, uh, Robinson was just saying, like, that set the tone for what then happened when he was on the pitch, and he kind of lost his head, got a booking, and then was still hacking around. And afterwards, I think after the game finished, he was, Jerome or someone was referencing that he was just kind of sat on his own on the pitch. Yeah, um, I think he, so knew, it, he knew what had happened. I mean, the, sub, yeah. the subs didn't really work for the whole team, kind of the... 4-4-2, 4-2-4, whatever we were playing. I mean, I'm not offering an excuse for him, but I think the whole team was very disjointed at the time and it probably just didn't didn't help. There was that handball that should have definitely been as well. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, absolutely. If Adji scores or, and we, or we get that handball, it's a clinical win. It's just a bad miss gets forgotten. Even but that bad one, we still win. It just sort of shows we're at. I, st- I still think, Jack, it's interesting to contrast this game with, like, it's a fantastic win at the end of the day. But if you contrast it with Bristol Rovers and how comfortable that was, bar a, a superb Jack Stevens save, they kind of could have panned out in a similar way second half. But I suppose Fleetwood are the better side, aren't they, at the end of the day? So... Maybe it was to be expected. Yeah, they're two very different games in the end. But I mean, arguably, we were more dominant against Bristol Rovers, but Bristol Rovers had the better chances. Um, we were less dominant against Fleetwood, but did Stevens make a save against Fleetwood? I'm not sure. I don't think he did. Um, so, yeah, they. I think I tweeted again with the win at Rochdale. It was three very different ways to win games. And that's mm-hmm. always a sign of quite a good side if you can win win nasty, win last minute and win comprehensively. So, Well, there you go. So stats were actually massively in our favour, but as you can, you kind of come to expect when you're playing against 10 men for 85 odd minutes or whatever. Um, but yeah, we, we go on again. How many wins was that? Eight in a row, if you include the Tim Pot surprise. Have we won tonight? What's the score? It's 3-1. Three, 3-1. Three, three, one. Three, one. So it's about to be nine, okay. yeah. So nine wins in a row. Tremendous. And obviously seven in the league. So record-breaking side at the moment. Um, if we look across league, what are there? There's Jack, I've seen you updating the notes. Like There's League One's games going on now. But just looking back at what happened over the weekend, the results were generally really positive for us. Like Sunderland drew. Um, you had, what was the other one? Ipswich drew. Hull beat Swindon. That's fine. Um, Lincoln v Doncaster, obviously that's a big game and we'll be previewing Doncaster in a second. Um, that must be Lincoln's first defeat for a while, I imagine. Well, um, and Accrington had a poor result, you could say, only drawing because they're currently um, 5-1 up against Bristol Rovers. What? With Tonight? Half, with half an hour left. Yeah, with half an hour left. I mean... Oh my days. Did we play? We must have played a different team back at, back at the start of the year. It's absolutely crazy. It's like the result of the season, that, isn't it? Yeah. Or one. Um, yeah, so they, Accrington, yeah, drawn with Plymouth last time out as well. Um, so they're still going strong. I think they, they had two defeats in a row, but looking at the form book, um, but, you know, they've still got a, a whole bunch of games in hand where they could be pushing up into, like, the auto. Yeah, well, as, as it stands, assuming they hold on to their 5-1 lead, they are... Outside the playoffs on goal difference with two games in hand. On us. On sixth, which is Sunderland. They're three points ahead of us with two games in hand. The playoff and games in hand are all over the place because Crew will have played 27 after night. Accrington will have played 22, so it's all over the place. Okay. They'll have only played a game more than us then and be three points ahead at that point. Um, sorry, a game less than us, I mean, so. Um, another result, Peterborough lost 2-0 to Shrewsbury, so they're having a bit of a, a dip um, after showing some really good form. But the league just looks... I think we've done incredibly well um, to be on this run, uh, albeit most of the games that we... I think it's, it's a good kind of way to move on to the, the Donny game in a second because this will be our first big test of a kind of a top six team within the run. I suppose you could argue that um, 
if you're looking at the unbeaten run in general, we've had Hull and Ipswich within there as well, where we picked up draws. But yeah, yeah, that, um, that that's a funny one because I've seen a few people say, "Oh, we've only beaten teams who are down the bottom." But when we started this run, we were one of the teams down the bottom, and some of those teams we beat were above us. So naturally, when you win a few games in a row, you're going to overtake teams. So. You know, but it, a few, but a few games a, ago, it was important to take points off those around us as well as for ourselves. So it works both ways. I think. Well, I, I suppose I'd call it lower half teams then, if you kind of take us out, because I, I think it is it is relevant that we've kind of not had big tests until the Doncaster game on on Saturday. But I think the Hull game. Was was pretty important as well. Yeah, sorry. Like since since, since, since then, then, like yeah, if you call kind of yeah. Hull the the sort of in Rochdale the first time the kind of start of this run, but um, since then it's been sort of teams we should have beaten. Yeah. Any more um, spicy results tonight then? Uh, Pompey a three-one up at Charlton. Okay. Big crew are winning Big. currently. This is turning into the score centre, isn't it, on Sky Sports? I love it. Uh, right, John, we referenced this being a massive game, and it is a massive game. Um, preview Donny. I think this one's a real barometer of where we are as a footballing team, and it's the hardest game we've had for a long time. I think they've got a really good footballing team. They've not got a lot of big names, but they've got Darren Moore seems to be very highly thought of by their fans. And they're sort of they're low profile if you look at the top eight teams, but they're actually kind of doing considerably well. Um, I mean, in their form, I mean, they're in a really good place. They they beat Lincoln, as you just mentioned, three games in hand on top and only three points behind. And they've only lost twice in the league since the start of December. And that was against Shrewsbury and Hull. And every other game they've won, they've not drawn them um, at all. So... Yeah, I mean they have they have kind of been doing a bit like we have. They've sort of played Northampton, Gillingham, Swindon, Burton, Rochdale, those kind of teams. And interestingly, slightly like us, their next run of games is really tough. It's Fleetwood, Sunderland, Accrington, <laughs> who'd have said that? Hull, yeah. Blackpool, Ipswich, Portsmouth. That's the next run of games. So it's quite um they're in a really good place, but I think this is definitely the, the toughest one we've had for for a while. Um, I did. I did notice that Jack posted like the form table last week. But in their last ten games, so we played. You know, in the last ten games, we've got twenty four points, and in the last ten games, they've also got twenty four. So we're kind of level pegging. Yeah. Albeit we've drawn some and they've lost a couple. It's it's a sort of yeah, top of the form table clash. So it, it could be an absolute belter of a kind of a spectacle as well. Um, yeah. I mean. January transfer-wise, that they didn't have a particularly mad deadline day. They brought in um, Omar Boggle, which I don't think we were ever linked to him massively, but he's not got the greatest scoring record, and he's kind of cover for their main striker, Ocken Birhi, I think is how you pronounce it, or probably not. Good how attempt. You, not, how you, yeah. not how you pronounce it. Um, <laughs> and then a sort of young Celtic midfielder. So they brought them in yesterday, but before that, they brought in um, a few players, um, They've got an England, England under-21 goalkeeper called Ellery Balcom, who's on loan from Brentford. He saved two penalties against Lincoln in the game they won last out. I think he gave one of them away, but he's on form. They've got um, John Bostock. Some people might know he was that sort of yeah. former wonder kid at Tottenham. And then sort of the hype just killed him and he kind of went a bit nomadic and played for, played in Belgium, France, Swindon. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's... um. He's kind of been brought in to replace Ben Whiteman, who's gone to Preston, who was their star player, and he only moved sort of three games ago. Not that that seems to have had a had a problem with them. So, you know, this, they've brought a few players in, but as I mentioned at the start, they're, they're not really a team of names necessarily. It's kind of a, a good blend, which I think is a is an ominous sign. Um, I think they'll play with a real mixture of style. They're kind of possession based, but they'll they'll be effective as well kind of how we've seen them play a bit in the past as well but they sort of do a kind of classic 4-2-3-1 type of thing um they've had a few injuries though which is i mean they're playing reese james who's normally a left back in center midfield and he's apparently playing really well um and the right back's been playing right wing in the last game as well so they've they've kind of 
strengthened, but they've sort of had a few challenges. Um, certainly, Reese James worth a look in midfield. Matt Smith, the playmaker, has taken over from Whiteman. He looks to be quite quite decent. They've got a youngster from Brighton who's playing number 10, Taylor Richards. Um, and then in defence, this is a probably possibly a bit out there. I think they've got one of the most underrated centre-backs in the division in Tom Anderson, who's a, every time I've played him, he's really impressed me. Um, and just a real sort of leader and kind of solid player. Um, so they've got some they've got some good players in there, but they're sort of not not really the names. But I think we've kind of yeah got a tough tough ask coming up really. Um, so yeah, what do you, what do you guys think? I mean, a starting lineup. Do we bring any? Does anyone have their debut, or do we kind of keep it solid? I think it's, it's hard tough to one. know, isn't it? Because yeah. KR said he wasn't going to play Brannigan at all tonight, but he's had 25 minutes. So you assume he comes back in on Saturday. Um, you probably guess Barker might start instead of yeah, Shodders if Shodders. he started tonight. Um, that's what I wondered. I mean, like James said earlier, picking the bench is hard enough, yet alone the first 11. I think... You'd be surprised to see Hall in the matchday squad, I think, with with Barker and Lee having come in. feels like he may miss out. Um, I think we need need to continue being kind of solid at the back. As as, as he suggested, they seem to be quite clinical. Um, I'd take a point, to be honest. Um, I'd snap your hand off for a point as of now. Um, I think we'll probably get it as well. Yeah. I think Shodders will probably still start because, I don't know, whilst I don't think he had a particularly good game against Fleetwood, um, I think it's easier as a manager to bring on some of the new starters as subs rather than chuck them straight in. So I, st- I think we'll see just pretty much the same lineup with Shodders, Taylor and Henry as the front three. But I'd be quite, I'd be excited to see Barker starting up there. Um, I guess it just depends on what KRC and behind the scenes in the next few days. Um, the only other thing I noticed is their so their recent run of good form, similar to us, has been largely beating teams in the bottom half, hasn't it? Apart from that win at Lincoln, they've beaten Wimbledon, Rochdale, Swindon, Burton, Swindon again. That's that's ace. Uh, Gillingham, Northampton. So it's all been teams. Um, kind of similar to the run that we've been on which is interesting so I think they'll probably be looking at this game in a similar in a similar way um similar to what Jack said I think I'd absolutely take a point it's just this winning run that's so enjoyable that I'd I'd love it if we could keep it going but I think like a one all or even a nil nil type thing might play out last season it was really a grindy game, wasn't it? We lost. Did we lose one nil in this fixture? It was New Year's Day, wasn't it? Yeah, and they sort of just shut up shop, and they might have had a man sent off, or I'm just making that up. Um, I don't know. It felt like it. Like they they just managed the game really well. Yeah. And was it you the other day, John, that was saying they defend? They sat back and defended, but it didn't feel like it was like scummy defending. It was very organised and effective, and it was frustrating for us. Yeah, I think I think they are. They're a good team, whether they're playing defensively or whether they're sort of going for it. But I mean, if you look at the games after, you know, Bristol Rovers away, Wigan at home, Ipswich away, Portsmouth at home. They're not as well. Portsmouth and Ipswich are not as scary as they used to be, given where we are now. So if we could just let's say not not lose, we could definitely win the next two after that, if not the next three. Yeah. What are you saying then, John? I, I'm kind of with you. I, I think I'd take a draw. But I think if we won, then let's all get seriously excited. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Awesome. We're just under an hour. Look at that. Tremendous stuff. So as you kind of said, the next pod will probably be looking at, um, obviously talking about the Donny game and then looking forward. We've got Bristol Rovers midweek. And then Wigan on the following Saturday. So there'll be two more games to preview. Um, Like you said, very winnable games, you'd think, based on current form all around. So let's, yeah, it'd be amazing if we don't lose on Saturday. Just keep that unbeaten run going. And yeah, exciting times. But um, as always, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. (laughs) 